0: Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. There's so many reasons for us to be grateful, right? Uh, We live in a in a land of milk and honey, and sometimes we forget that. You see what's happening in Israel, you see what's happening in, in Ukraine, and, and you look at even when it comes to the third world country, countries and the struggles that they have. Um, we are a blessed nation. And even though we have our challenges, even though it's not perfect, we see the blessings of the Lord, right? Uh, I can't wait tomorrow I'll, I'll be doing uh, a brisket on the barbecue it's going to start I'm going to start that today and and we'll be having that tomorrow and, and we are so blessed and, and so we want to be grateful right for the blessings of the Lord we don't want to take uh, his blessings for granted and we don't want to be a people that has um, seems like we are drinking vinegar, right? Or that uh, we're, we're complaining and never happy and, and always uh, uh, not seeing the goodness and the blessings of God. So we, we have to stop and, and remember the blessings of God. There's a verse in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, how great is the Father's love as lavished on us, that we, are, that we should be called children of God. And, and that's what we are. What, what a verse, right? That the Father lavishes his love over us. It's unreal, right? Lavishes. It's like extreme love that the Father has for me. And, and sometimes it's hard to receive that love. Sometimes I feel a little, little drier or, or he wants to love on me and I'm, th- I'm like this, right? And he wants to give me a hug and it's hard for me to respond. But the reality, this is what God wants to do. He wants to lavish his love on us, Right? What an amazing picture of Father. And wherever you are on this journey of life, I want you to know that the Father want to lavish his love on you. He wants to hug you. He wants to love on you. And you might say, well, I'm not worthy and none of us are. You might say, I'm struggling with sin. It's okay. Let him embrace you and, and forsake, let go and let his love just penetrate your heart. And I think it's gonna bring freedom in your life, right? What an amazing picture of the love of the Father. And that's one of the reasons why we're grateful that we were loved unconditionally and we are love unconditionally and so, so may we remember this as we celebrate Thanksgiving how much we're love doesn't mean there's no issues right we all have issues we all have our challenges but the foundation to know that we are lavished by the father's love is a big deal and also when we walk in gratitude, I think it's good for us too. I was looking at different studies on, 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 the, on the benefit of, of being um, grateful. And there was a ton of them. A ton of them. And the uh, UCLA health studies, they were saying that when you're grateful, it improves relationships. We can see that, right? It really does, right? It relieves stress. Um, it supports heart health. Wow. Hmm. It reduces blood pressure, it lessens anxiety, it reduces depression, it improves sleep, it encourages generosity. And and so, to be grateful, we want to be because God is so amazing, but at the same time, it's beneficial for us. And there's a story in the Bible of 10 lepers that were healed by Jesus. You know the story where uh, Jesus told them to go and present themselves to the temple, and as they were going there, they got healed and they were cleansed from their leprosy, and there's only one that came back and gave thanks to the Lord. There's only one that came back and recognized who Jesus was, and we don't want to be like that. We, don't, we want to be like that. We, we don't want to be like the nine others that, that when we are in a crisis and when things go rough, we call upon God, come and help me, come and rescue me, and then what we see is we see God's intervention. We see God moving, we see God meeting us, and after He met us and after He has intervened in our lives, we just go on living our own life. We don't want to live like that. We want to be a people that are a people that is grateful. We want to be individuals, amen, that are grateful. So, so I really believe being thankful is a huge thing. You find it in the Bible, so many occasions you look in the Psalms, there's such a focus on being thankful. And so we want to be a people that understands that. But at the same time, we don't want to see God's blessing lead me to complacency, right? We don't want to see God's blessing lead us to complacency. I'll give you kind of this, this example, and I gave you a little snapshot of it. We'll be hopefully on Sunday that uh, on Monday we'll eat brisket hopefully my barbecue will function during the night and we'll have brisket so I can on Monday have all my kids over and have them what we do is we come in a circle we're holding hands and then we thank God for the food and what we're going to do is we'll say thank you Lord for your grace thank you for your provision thank you for family thank you for blessing us in so many different ways and and then we're going to eat and the danger, it's a stop there. The danger, it's to uh, be happy with the blessings that God gives us and rejoice over them, and it stops there. It has to go deeper than that. It has, to go, it, has to, 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 it has to go in a deeper way where I'm not just a recipient of God's grace, and I'm not just receiving the blessings of the Lord. I need to see it flow through me, you know? So we can live our lives being blessed by God. We can live a life where we rejoice for all the blessings that God shower us with, and, and, and that's fine, but there's way more than that, right? So we just don't want to be grateful. We want to see God move us and, and lead us, and that's kind of the thought I want to share to you this morning. If you have your Bible, take a look at Luke chapter 12, verse 16. It talks about the American dream. It says, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Well, that's the thing to do, right? Why not? And there, will, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, I have plenty of good things laid up for me for many years. And then, I'll, I can, and then he says to himself, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, like Mr. T, right? Right? you fool, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Look at verse 21, this is how it will be to anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich, toward God, that is not rich, toward God, if you look at the first part and you remove um, verse 20 and 21, it's the American dream, right, it's the American dream, and that's what we want to see, really, right? You want to start a business. You want to do life. And, and you want to uh, grow your business. You want to extend your barns. And, and, and it's great and dandy. It's, it, it's not wrong. But the problem is, is when it stops there. And the only thing that we do is gather, gather around the circle... And thank God for his provision and thank God for his blessing and not seeing the call that God has placed on our life as a church. That's a danger that we face, you know. So we teach, we teach our kids and we want our kids to have this American dream. We want them to go to school. We want them to follow the track and the business and we want them to prosper. And that's the heart of parenting. For sure we want to see that. But the problem is, people, is when it stops there. When we live our life in this bubble where we see God's provision, we see God's blessing, and we rejoice in them, and then we do life like Nothing is happening around me and we're just happy to be there. And we don't want to see that. It's awesome to have a lovely home and to have food on our table and to do a brisket uh, on the weekend and and to have RSPs for our future, to have a few toys and and to have a bottle of wine in the fridge and to have a a great car and maybe a cottage and to have some leftover money to give. But it's more than that. And and so we, we, we don't want to live complacent and we don't want to be sedentary where we just live in that circle. I don't think that the Christian walk is called to be safe and predictable. Can I repeat this? I don't think the Christian walk is called to be safe and predictable. If your life is safe and predictable, there might be something wrong in the picture. Can someone say ouch? ouch. <laughs> If my life is safe and predictable, listen, if my life is, fa- is, is safe and predictable, when it comes to my faith, there's something wrong in the equation. And so, yes, we're called to be grateful. Yes, we're called to rejoice for the blessings of the Lord, but there must be more. I look at Caleb. He conquered his mountain at 85. How many of you are 85 No one here? Close. (laughs) 85! Let's go take the mountain of the Lord. You know, God has placed mountains in your life. Not as obstacles, not as challenges, but as a mission. God has called you to do stuff, to have an impact, to reach people, to love on people, to to see the progression of God's kingdom. And and the thing is, when it comes to uh, our lives... It's an, it should be an adventurous walk. We should say, God, this is the mountain you've given me. Whoa, God, I need your help, right? I need your grace. I can't conquer my mountain alone. I need your, I need your, your strength and so on. But it's important for us that, to see that Christian walk is not called to be safe and predictable. Did you know that you have a mountain in front of you that God has called you to conquer? Yeah, don't go back home and have your brisket only and go around and do a circle and just thank God for his blessing. Say, God, what's up? What do you want to do in my life? What's your calling? What do you want me to live for? What do you want me to live for? And one of the problems that we have in our generation is that there's no purpose We don't have any purpose, and so we're just happy just to be grateful, and that's fine, but it has to go deeper than that. I look at David, the story of David, this young shepherd boy that stood before a giant, and he took his slingshot out. (laughs) Pow! Timber, right? That's a version of the Bible, my version of the Bible. (laughs) Amazing story, right? This young boy that is before this giant, and he stood before a position. You call that an adventure, right? I I look back at his life, and, and it's written in scripture, he had a story to tell, and I believe that all of you, you have a story of God's intervention In you, and also God's intervention through you. And we want to have God's stories, right? And the way that we see God's stories is when we understand that my Christian life is called to be an adventure where we trust God, where we rely on God, and we say, God, yes, this mountain, I can take it because you've called me for that, right? And then you find David in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. One of the things that the king did, king, yeah, did is that they, would go. they wouldn't go to war in the fall or winter because it was too rainy. They went to war in the spring. Look what it says in 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with his king's men and the whole army of Israel. But David remained in Jerusalem. The story here is that David wasn't supposed to sleep in his castle he wasn't supposed to, to sleep home. He was supposed to sleep with his army on the ground. And because he was in the castle, and because he kind of take a, a took a, take a, a back step and probably thanked the Lord for the blessings and all that, this is where he saw Bathsheba on top, of, a, on top of, of one's house, and he desired it, desired her, and he got he got his husband killed. Her, her husband's killed. Sorry, her husband k- killed. And Uriah was killed. And, and why did that happen? It's because he became idle, and because he was he, he was not adventurous anymore. He might have said, "You know what? Uh, it's my time to rest now." You know, I've, I was adventurous, and and now I'm going to let the younger pups to be adventurous. No. We're all on an an adventure. It might look differently from me to you based on what God has called us, but the last thing we want to do is to lose that adventure and lose that mandate that God has placed upon our lives, right? And it's important for us to realize that God has made us with purpose and he has called us to, 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 uh, to live a life where we live this excitement of following him and trusting in him. If you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, to 33 and I believe in the back it's the whole text and I don't really have time to read the whole text but I want to read verse 31 to 33 when it comes to Jesus talking to his disciples and the crowd on what they should focus on how they should live and he says in verse 31 so do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the pagans for the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Like I said a while ago, the father's love lavished. The father has lavished his love over us. So we know the Father loves us, and we know that he will care for us, so we trust in him, right? So the Father knows you need them. And look what it says in verse 33. "But seek first his kingdom and in righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so we, so we see here God's blessing attached to seeking first his kingdom. So we want to be grateful for what the Lord has given us, but we want to go further than that. When it comes to seek, it means, in this context, it, it's, it means more than to look for. Like when I seek my keys, I'm looking for my keys. I, I, I seek stuff, I'm looking for them. But the word is not linked to seeking or searching it, it's, it means to have the kingdom as the engine of one's life, and it's it, it, it's it's the mortar and the focus of the believer. That's what it says. I'll give you other definition. I was on my um, I, I was on my Logos program, and I, I was doing a word study on on this on the word seek. And what it meant is, meant is the kingdom and the kingdom of alone is to be the sole priority of the disciple. That towered which. Um, the disciple devotes or devotes his or her energy. So what it talks here, it, it's when we, we look at this verse to seek first the kingdom of God, it talks about the sole priority of the disciple, it's to, it's to, it's to do the will of the Father, or to seek God's kingdom. Or it, in other words, it means to have God's kingdom in, in one's heart. And, and the other part, when it comes to seek, the imperative, because in Greek, there's imperative, and you also find that in the French language, and I believe also in the German language. I don't know how verbs are in the German, but in French, it's a nightmare, because there's so many of them, and, and, but there's this imperative in verbs, in French, and also in Greek, there's this imperative that it's an order, like seek. It's not really optional. It's like seek, and that's what it is. The imperative is is to seek. It means that one should make the kingdom the center of one's existence. Thus, experience the rule of God fully in one's heart. Hence, the present stance, keep seeking. And and so what he's saying here in the word seek, it means that it's you desire to see God move, but it's stirred up already inside of you. It's not something that, that you look for. It's something that drives you from the inside. And the empathic uh, or, or the meaning of first and, and above all means to make the kingdom and righteousness one's clear, one's clear priority in life. So here it says that our goal is to be driven by God's kingdom and, and righteousness. That there's this motor inside of us that is birthed by the Holy Spirit to seek his kingdom but also righteousness. And righteousness is godly living. It's to live a life that matches what you say. It's 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 to see a life that honors God by how you live. And and at the same time with a focus, with a desire to see God's kingdom, it's it means that you're driven by God's kingdom. And and so so, so that's what the word says. I, I believe that's why we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. It's to implement that in our lives. Becoming a Christian is more than an arrival. It's the beginning of the manifestation of God in one's life. So when it comes to being a Christian, it's just a start. It's not the end. I believe that God wants to manifest himself in our lives. I believe that Christianity is an adventure. It has to be an adventure where we trust God. In James chapter 2 verse 26 says, Just as the, as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So James says it this way, that if your faith is not active, that means that your faith is dead, because to prove that your faith is active is you're doing God's will, meaning that you have God's kingdom inside of you. So the thing that I'm trying to convey this morning is that, yes, we're called to bless the Lord for his blessing and and thank him for that, but we have to place ourselves in this place where we're saying, God, your kingdom is driving me. It's driving me from the inside, Right? And it says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, we live by faith and not by sight. But we live by, by sight and we hope in faith. Right? We're called to live by faith. That means that you depend on God. That means that you take this step that you don't know what's going to happen because you're obeying him. It's a, huge, it's a huge deal when it comes to our lives. So I want to challenge you. In different places this morning and, and the few minutes that I have when it comes to where am I called to grow? Number one, grow in spiritual gifts. This is where I can ex- expand and, and this is where God wants to, to bring me out of my comfort and to, to stretch and, and, to, and to see more of him in my life. And one, one of this ways, one of this way is through spiritual gifts. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse one. We'll talk about that later on. Follow the way of love and eagerly can you say to your neighbor eagerly? Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy, eagerly. When's the last time you said, God, I want your spiritual gifts? And the reason why you want a spiritual gifts is because you want to exhort comfort and encourage others because the prophetic word that is there or the prophetic um, expression that you find in this book or this chapter or this verse talks about you being a blessing to others, not by your own wisdom and your own abilities, but God flowing through you. You get up in the morning and you say, God, I want you to speak through me today. I want to make a difference in my kids. I want to make a difference in my, when it comes to those that you've called me to minister to, work, family, and so on. So you say, God, I need your spiritual gift. I need the gift of prophecy that is there to encourage, comfort, and exhort. I wanna make a difference in people's lives. So that's one way, one area that God's calling us to grow. And all of us can do that. We can all pray sometime during the day God, give me your words. I don't want just the wisdom of man. I want your wisdom, your thoughts. And as you talk to people, the bubble of the, the word of God, the written word starts to bubble in your heart, and you have a word in season for other people. You might not even, even know what people are going through, but you can rock their lives by just doing that because God is using you and God is setting, setting them up to receive that word that God has on your heart pretty cool right so you want to grow in this Christianity is an adventure it causes us to go forward right the second second way that we can grow is grow in generosity where we where we live life with open hands, that we put God first, we, we give him our first fruit, we give him our tithes, and then we give him offerings, we say, God, I believe in you, I trust in you, and I give fr- freely, and you find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3, it says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They were not forced or pushed, but they gave beyond their abilities. And, 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 and I want to live like that, where I trust God, where I live this adventure, where I give out a revelation instead of reason. I say, God, I'm going to respond to your call. I'm going to put you first. And it's not always easy, right? You look at all what you have and you look at all your bills and we all have tremendous bills, right? And we say, ah. Oh. And when you say, God, I trust you. I'm going to put you first in my giving. I'll, I'll, I'll honor you with my first fruits and beyond. Everything that I have belongs to you. You find that in 2nd Corinthians in chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, a former who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Wow. Hmm. It might be challenging for, for us, right? Or it might be challenging for you. And, but I think it's a great place for us to grow and to, beyond, to go beyond the status quo and to, and to live this experience or this, this adventure of being generous. Amen? I think it's, a, it's, an, it's, an, it's an adventure to give God and to serve others with what God has given me and to trust that he'll take care of me. I think that's an adventure. Thirdly, how can I express or how can I walk in this adventure is serve beyond my abilities. It's to serve others beyond my abilities. The first thing, the, the first thing that we do when it comes to serving others or being involved in ministry say, well, can I do this? Right? But it hasn't, it's not linked to what you can do. It's linked to what God can do in your life. Did you know that on a weekly basis, we minister to more than 500 kids or young adults. That's 25 and younger. More than 500. That's a lot of kids, right? It's busy. There's so much ministry that can happen where we can mentor and we can invest in other people's lives. And, and, and sometimes we look at ourselves and we say, well, I, I don't have the ability. It's okay. God has a provision, And God is able to do it through your life. And so we want to serve and respond to God's call beyond our ability. Otherwise, we don't need him. If I do ministry only based on my giftings or only based on what I can muster up, I don't need God. I just do it. But when I trust God in the way that I say, God, I can't do it, but you do it in my life, do it through my life, this is where it's an adventure. Have you ever experienced this, to see God work through you when you realize that you don't have the ability and you take a step back? and say, that was so amazing. Well, scary, right? Scary, nerve-wracking, but so exciting because you see God coming in and leading in your life, so you want to grow in that domain. You want to grow in trusting God when it comes to serving others. You don't want to see yourself limit God's call upon your life. you got to let God just flow in your life and let God flow through your life. It's a, it's a big deal, right? So you, you grow in generosity. You serve beyond your ability. You share your faith. You know, love to people and you live out your faith. Matthew 28 talks about the Great Commission. I, I was meeting with um, a, young, a young man last week and he was talking to me about uh, like a, a young man that has a tremendous heart and wants to serve God and he was telling me, pastor, when it comes to the church, do we believe in hell? I said, yeah, we do. It's in the scripture. Do you believe in heaven? Do we believe in heaven? Yeah, you know, you know that. And so we talked about hell and heaven. And then as we're talking about that concept of heaven and hell, he says, I, I struggle with the church. It seems there's a, a disconnection between the practice of the church and the reality of hell. He says, it doesn't, it doesn't jive. Why are we not reaching more if people are going to be separated from Christ forever? And he said, will there be a place where people will be separated from God for eternity? I say, well, that's what the word says. So he says, what are we doing? What are we doing? And I, I didn't know what to say. I was taken back by that. I I tried to talk about God's sovereignty and all that. But when I went home, I was talking to Micheline. and, And we were talking about, when's the last time we had unbelievers in our home? When's the last time there was a drive and a passion to see broken people and lost people come to the knowledge of Christ? We started to see this in the last few weeks when it comes to um, prayer of intercession for the lost and so on. And I believe that God is up to something in this regard. But the thought was when this young man was saying there's a disconnection between the church and what the church church does and what the church uh, believes and I could not say no. And I believe it's important for us to realize that God has placed a calling upon us and we can't just uh, go this weekend and have our brisket and praise the Lord, thank you Jesus, hallelujah, and it stops there. It has to go deeper than that. There needs to be a stirring up in our hearts uh, of the mission that we're on and to realize that we can't just live about, uh, uh, focus on ourselves. And we want to go, we need to go beyond the American dream. It's all fine and dandy, but that's not what we're called to be and to do. Can someone say ouch? God is up to something in your life. God is something, something, God is up to something in my life, but I gotta see it. I gotta understand that there's more than just they got married and they live happy after and, and they had kids and praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. No, the Christian walk is an adventure. It's an adventure. It's an adventure, people, where we trust God, where we see God intervene where we pray and seek the Lord like in the book of Acts because the book of Acts, it's really a book of, of adventure where they are filled with the Holy Spirit and then God works for them. They don't even know what's going to happen. In chapter four, there's persecution. They're praying, God, give us assurance and, and the Holy Spirit comes, fills them up and again, they go out. It, it's an adventure in Christianity. It's called to be an adventure. The question I have this morning, are you in this adventure or are you walking or doing your Christian life in a sedentary way, where you're thanking God for his blessings, but not going to the next level, where you see his blessings throw through you, where you're driven with a passion of seeing his kingdom. I think it's a huge thing. And I pray that when we look at the future, we look at the 500 kids plus, that we would raise them up, that we would invest, that we believe that God has a call upon our lives to go to the four corners of the earth. But it all starts with availability. It all starts with a um, a discontent. Gratefulness, but discontent. We say, God, life is more than that. And for those that have no hair or for those that have gray hair, you know that life flies and you just don't want to live life in this bubble. Not talking, people talk about this region. As, no, my own bubble. My own bubble. So my, invite you, my invitation is to commit your life to God and to make a decision to say, God, your kingdom beats in my heart. Your kingdom is central in my life. I, don't, I just don't want to live for myself. And thank you for your blessings. I want to see your kingdom beat in my heart. I need to go beyond the American dream. I need to find adventure in my faith. I need to find adventure in my faith. Maybe you're here for the first time this morning, and you say, wow, that's, wow, that's pretty direct. Well, you're not an accident. If you're here and you walked away from the faith or you, were, you grew up in the church and, and, and you were disillusioned with the church and here you are, well, I gotta let you know that the reason why this is is because God is so amazing and God is full of love. But at the same time, what we want to see is to see Christ rule in us where we walk in righteousness, but we also walk with the kingdom at heart. Man. And I believe that if we let that penetrate our hearts this morning, wherever we are, something's going to happen. My prayer is that you would say, God, I want to live beyond myself. I want to see your kingdom move me, challenge me, And I want to respond to it in a godly way. Amen? I would ask you to stand. Father God, we thank you for the love that you've lavished on us. We thank you for this deep love that you have for us, this unbelievable love, and we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, your compassion, your goodness. You're so amazing for this good news. You came to rescue us when we were lost. Father, I just pray that we would not be a people, that I would not be a pastor, that I would not be a believer where it it stops at giving you thanks, but I would have a desire to see you flow through me, that, Father, I would not be happy with the status quo, that I would not be content with the American dream, and rejoice and and walk in judgment towards those that are not walking in that American dream. But I would be driven, Lord, with purpose and significance, that I would lay my life at your feet, that I would surrender my life to you so that we would see the progression of God's kingdom. But it has to start in me, Father. I pray this morning for the wind of your spirit and the breathing of your spirit upon us, that something would happen inside of our hearts, that there would be a a change, a, a radical transformation, where we're caught up by your kingdom, and with righteousness, that we would live beyond our own comfort, and live beyond our own happiness, but we would be driven with your call, and that we would live a life that is adventurous, where we see you in play, when we see you provide, when we see you answer, when we are working with you in this field that you've placed us. Mm. I just pray that you would be glorified, Lord. I thank you there's no condemnation in your word, but your word invites us to surrender. And my prayer is that as a people, as a church here in Morden, that we would, be, we would be a people that says, God, forgive my sins, forgive my selfishness, and burn in my heart in a new way this morning. And if you're here for the first time, I just want to let you know that the Father loves you. Surrender your heart to Him. Let Him love on you. You can go to the prayer room after and have someone pray with you. And and just, just want to let you know that you're deeply loved. Amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.